0: Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter.
1: On this bonus series of Gray Matter, we're gonna examine What makes a great idea? Hi, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. We thought we'd do something a little different and take a closer look at some of the ideas we've featured on this podcast through the lens of the creative criteria we use at Gray. The creative criteria is our simple way of looking at and interrogating an idea to help make sure you've got a great one. In doing that, we've boiled it down to four components that'll reveal themselves in the series. And we'll focus on one each for the next four episodes. In order to do that, we're going to revisit some past conversations, catch up with friends from the show, and chat with our podcast team about what we've learned in making the first two seasons of Grey Matter. And we'll start with the very first criteria, that the idea is surprising but feels inevitable. Surprising because it's new or different enough to get attention but feels inevitable because it's so right for the moment, the situation, the brand, the audience, that it feels natural that this is the answer. You know, creative people talk about their gut. I honestly think this is what they're feeling, that it's an idea they didn't see coming, but it all makes sense immediately. Today, our lead producer, Joey Scarrillo, is chatting with Graham Nolan about gray matter itself, the days of starting the podcast, how they got the show on its feet, and what it takes to create an agency podcast. Here are Joey and Graham.
0: What was um, what was sort of your background in podcasts and what got you interested in starting one uh, for Grey? My background in
2: podcasting was it started with the stand up thing because I had done I had done um, a lot of like comedy performing and writing over the years in like various capacities. And so, like with Second City, there's like all the fun of improv. And then, like with stand up, there's all like the fun of like being autonomous and like creating your own voice. And so, then I had a friend uh, named, I still have a friend. He's very much alive. Um, <laughs> my friend is named Kevin A., and we both had this deeply shared love of music videos before i went out anytime i went out i'm always late because i'm watching like an hour and a half of of music videos and pre-drinking and then by the time i get to the party i'm like buzzed and then it's like do you know how many videos that mary j blige showed up in where she had nothing to do with the song like that was what i brought to parties for a long time so we started this show um it was called talk this way wanted it to be uh, i think an exercise for us and seeing if we can do a show and how you do a show. And our our experiment uh, lasted a hundred (laughs) episodes of just like, we're having fun doing this. We're teaming up with different comedians um, and different friends of ours. And um,
0: it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So my background actually is, is sort of the opposite end of that spectrum, right? You know, I've listened to podcasts since 2011, right around the time I moved to New York. Um, throughout all of 2012, I was on the road touring with, um, with a children's theater company, and we had these long, long drives. And so you know, I would just turn on podcasts and I sort of became like the podcast curator for the car, right? After the road, I got into advertising and would listen, you know, on my morning commutes and just was always sort of fascinated and loved the the medium and, and, and knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I went to the On Air Festival. I heard a panel there where they were talking about corporate podcasts and branded podcasts. And I think it was after that I came back to Gray and I was like, we need to do, we need to do a podcast and I was going to do it come hell or high water.
2: I think it's interesting that like both of us start from a place of like, what's a thing that we love. That's not just podcasting. You really have to like love the subject matter. Um, yeah. Everyone who wants to like do this, like prepare for it to be like a lot of prep time. You have to figure out a production puzzle. Like I had a particularly like intensive one, but it's truly just like, you know, if you really want to do this, you have to sit down and start asking yourself like, What's the manageable version of this? And and people who work at advertising agencies are very, very busy. And they have a lot going on. So you have to have something that's so interesting that they can't use the next client call. And it will come as the excuse to go, well, I'm just not going to, you know, they'll say I can't do this. And the answer is, well, I don't want to do this because I don't quite understand it.
0: You had sort of started the idea or there was maybe like an idea that was stopped and started for a podcast. And then... I came to Kenny and I said, hey, we want to do a podcast. And he was like, oh, well, Graham's already doing one. And I was like, "Okay, great. Put me in a room with Graham. I just the way I recall it is I knew that we needed to talk like in my
2: head. The idea for me from the get go was the napkin. That's it. Right. Like we could have called it the napkin. That's what was in my head. And then my mind going into the room is the napkin idea talking to you a lot more format ideas, a lot more like guest ideas, right? Which informs like what's the other half of the conversation. Right. And I remember it like we start to talk to Kenny and John. So this is where I have a physical recollection of the day, right? This is where we're sitting in John's conference room. This is, this is like the beautiful thing, right? With when you leave the room, and what you leave with is a different thing, but it's not completely different from when you wa- what you walked in there with, right? Like, I don't think this show was what it was until John Petrullis did the simplicity thing that he does so well, right? And sort of said, what I'm hearing from you all is this, and then here's the idea, right? Which is that we're just talking to people about the genesis and the origin of their ideas, and it's like, okay, cool. So, like, he definitely, like, refined it. So it's really funny because it's like, it has to start from somewhere. Like you have to present your individual take on it. I have to present my individual take on it. Kenny has to sort, you know, Kenny like jumps in and starts finding things. And then John steps in and sort of goes, well, you know, from those ideas, I hear this idea, you know? So it's not like my idea died, your idea died, but we definitely left with an idea that was different, you know? So like, yeah, the nature of of creating the show and doing it is emblematic of of the ways that, you know, our various napkins sort of, you know, some of them get ripped up and some of them get like, you know, soaked in gin and, 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 but you,
0: you, you know, you end up having to type shit out and then that's when that's when it becomes real. Is that what led you to the, the idea of a podcast about ideas? <laughs> it's really funny. Cause so first comes the research,
2: you know, what, what else is out there? And, and, you know, I, I'm looking up a lot of the top 10, top 20 lists that people put out for marketing podcasts. Um, and they're very in the weeds and they're very specific and they're usually personality driven versus topic driven is what mm-hmm. I found. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just and, and some podcasts work that way. Right. Like where it's just like, I don't really care what's, you know, what exactly the topic of the day is so long as I get to hear this person talk about it. And that's really hard because you have to sort of like, you know, over time, let people like get to know you. So that's really tricky. So I had to start from a place of like, what is the conversation that we need to have to build a relationship with our own people and with people outside of us? Right. And then also from the research, what you realize is you're not only competing with marketing podcasts, but you're competing with every other podcast. That's it. So like you'll talk about these things in the context of well, you know, people will listen during their commuter. This will be the perfect time for, you know, this will be the perfect thing for them to listen to on their weekends and it's like, "Well, that's true." Except that they could also listen to every other podcast. Any, you know, they could they could just listen to a fun one and they can come to work and then they can do their work, right? So it was really like You want to show that people are going to want to participate in. You want to show that people want to listen to. And so it's like, you know, the, the in the weeds stuff about marketing felt like homework. When I was trying to think of a concept, it was like, one, what is something that's very gray Like very, very gray and gray is famously effective ideas and that's it. And that's something they own. And that's something where if you were to ask the average person in the advertising industry, like, what are they about? You know, what is gray about? It's like famously effective ideas, like perfect. Like why run away from that? And then also the idea that whenever over the years I had, you know, been out at a party and we start talking about work and people talk about it in a really enthusiastic way, it's about the ideas, right? Like the reason that everyone like thinks they can do this job or thinks they could be an ad creative is because they have that moment of like, you know, that moment on the napkin. So why not like no show is no show is the moment about the napkin and where the napkin comes from. And then like the the, the care of an idea is never discussed except In the halls of an ad agency like let's take this idea and let's protect this idea and what's the idea and get back to the idea right but in terms of people who are like who like ideas and who like advertising ideas they never discuss like what happens to that napkin next you have to take the idea from that napkin or put it in your phone or you have to immediately call someone so you're just like i do have to tell you about this napkin idea that i have so that like no one so that we remember this and by the way you're the person that i want to work with on it or you're the person who I want you to tell me it's a shitty idea so that, I, so that I can like go, okay, but then this is the idea, right? Like there is, um, I, I think some of the coolest parts of Grey Matter was when we got to like, you can picture the physical place that they were in when they came up with it, you know, because that's where you can relate as a listener and sort of go like, okay, well, if I'm in this space and if I'm a, if I'm if I'm, always, if I'm a person who always has cool ideas or if I'm a person who has one cool idea, how do I make sure that it makes it from the napkin to reality? You know? And I think that's what, I think that's what great does.
0: Well, I, the other thing I remember too, in our, in our first conversation, um, when we met was that it was almost like, it was like kismet, right? Like everything, that you wanted to do and everything I wanted to do just sort of yin and yanged. Like, I think you said, I want to handle guest outreach. I want to write the questions. I said, great. I want to handle that final edit. I'm interested in doing some of the voiceover. And so our roles just sort of found themselves, which I thought was really interesting in a partnership for two people who had not ever worked together before.
2: Yes. I will. So there's, I think, the the way that we lined up was very emblematic of like the power of complementary skills, but like I think it's just as important to cite. There were definitely things, and I honestly like don't you know they, they they mattered less, so they went by the wayside. But there were definitely things where like we didn't have the exact same vision of what this would be, right? Like so, we both had complementary skills, but I think that if you'd asked us both at the outset. What do you think this show is like? If you put us in two separate rooms, right, and it's like Joey, what's this show, and then Graham, what's this show? We wouldn't have described the same thing, right? And I also don't think we would have described what it became. No, we absolutely not. And that's a really that's a really interesting point for sure. We, um, none of it, you know, it's it's really interesting to watch people. Um, so I get like more exposure these days to like people who are like doing startups and like also through like the BetaWorks partnership with gray, getting exposure to that environment. And then like seeing a bunch of people who are doing startups. It's like a lot of like, you, you see a lot of people who are like, I want to unleash the idea on the world when it's ready. Right. Yeah. When it's real, once it's real, then I'm going to unleash it on the world. And then it's like, no, it's not real until you unleash it on the world. Right. None of our ideas were real until we started talking to each other about them and effectively, you know, killed the original ideas that we had.
0: What we really want to dive into is that problem that these entrepreneurs and creators are trying to solve. There was something that didn't exist, so they created it. There was a problem in an industry, so they fixed it. And I think that's what's really fascinating about the creators that we've brought on is that they they are all such big thinkers and are able to articulate their ideas in a way and, and execute on them too. I mean, execution is, is half the battle.
2: A lot of, a lot of, I think the interesting part of gray matter was just, you know, when, once they told someone about the idea and, and, and told, and then you got that person to sympathize with your problem and then you hit the technology, you know, part, and then the technology part goes back to what the idea is and how the idea has to change. And then the idea, Leads you to more technology, like there's this cool, like sort of ping pong effect. I also, I find myself talking about this a lot. One of the interesting things was talking to the founder of Dots, the creator of Dots.
1: For this week's episode, we have Gray's social lead Kenny Gold interviewing Patrick Moberg, co-founder and CEO of Dots. Dots is a really fun, beautifully designed game for mobile devices. Dots launched in May 2013 and captured an audience of millions in its first month.
2: I loved that episode. And the reason I love that episode is because it was really interesting to talk to him. <laughs> and like, and like, you know, we're at the point where it's like, wow, that was a really interesting conversation, really cool how that was developed. And then like, Kenny's like, do you have any other questions? And I'm just like... And, and and the creator had mentioned that he was inspired by the work of a particular Japanese artist um, who worked in dots and like, did really
3: beautiful work. So I kind of knew that I wanted to make a game. And then as soon as I knew that, I started to think about what it should look like. Um, and this trip that I took the year prior to Japan um, kind of stuck in my head. A lot of the visuals from that. Um, it was in a, a town called Matsumoto, which is where Yeo Kusama is from. So she does a lot of artwork with dots and sort of these... Uh, Interactive installations, and something about the way they were like simple but beautiful, but also like fun to interact with, kind of stuck with me, and that felt like a type of idea I wanted to bring to mobile.
2: And it's really funny because like have, so Kenny's like, "Do you have any other questions?" I'm like, "Yeah, how did he think people would receive the game?" Because he had just talked about the creation of it in terms of. I had this idea for this art that I wanted to make into an experience somehow, and he, kind of, you know, the way he was talking about it kind of seemed like it was for him, and it was like a the problem. The problem was simply, I think this needs to exist in the world.
3: It's kind of two main drivers. Uh, the first was like, so at the time, I was seeing a lot of people on the subway playing games, but none of them really like reached out to me. Um, I wanted something that visually looked looked different, so. Um, Part of the aim was just to try something that that looked different. And then the other one was like kind of a production um, reality. Like I was the only person on the team at the time. So doing something that I could uh, get done in three months was kind of the reality I was faced with. So um, that kind of solved both of them just by keeping it very simple, um, uh, you know, colored dots on the screen.
2: That's it. I want to see this happen, right? And like, it's sort of funny because there are- And then like thousands of people gravitate towards this idea. So, you know, you can start, it's really interesting because I think it shows that for ideas, it's just like, you know, you can start with a very, very like, and you know, it's very dependable and and more marketable maybe to start with the idea of like, here's all this, this thing that all the, you know, the people in the world knew that they needed. And then I provided it. And then you had someone who was just like, there was this thing that I knew that needed to exist. And then if it existed, you know, sometimes if you make it, they will come his napkin was this famous artist's art and then he immediately goes to the technology place right and then that ping pong starts of like of of what you know then it's sort of funny because you're like several volleys into the ping pong match before you start to involve like what players think of the experience
3: <laughs> you know the biggest sort of promise that i wanted to fulfill was that this could be a game that could be played by uh, lots of different types of people so i think even even very young kids can play it um, at a very like kind of base level, but just the, in the concept of connecting dots, you can you can get through a, a, a game. The challenge could be there, or it could just be this meditative experience. So there's there's kind of a different mode for each type of player in there.
0: Well, it's funny you said um, you know the idea like it gets drawn on a napkin and then, you know, somebody has to sort of take the ball and run with it. And I sort of feel like that's what happened with us. Our first win. (laughs) And I think, I think for me, this was the moment. I don't know if this was the moment it became real, but it was the moment. No, I would say it was the moment it became real was when we booked Cecily. I don't know about you, but that was the moment I was like, we're doing a thing. Everyone looks at it. Like they look at a party, which is who's going to be
2: there. You know, it became important to both of us at launch that it's like we have enough people where it's like this is this is a good party to be at, and this is a and again, like it's actually reflective of party conversations that are happening in real life, right? Like, so Cecily is a very good friend of mine who I met in uh, in doing Second City, um, and you know, if your mind goes to famously effective ideas and the need to constantly develop them and the bravery that it takes to consistently put them out there and then to have them, rejected sometimes right like i mean every week that cast is like you know putting you know so for every for everyone that you see where it's like wow that was such a win that must have seemed so easy they tell jokes in the room blah 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 it's like you know for every one of those there's a sketch where it's like oh my god i loved this so much and it didn't quite make it up because the test audience you know didn't love it it's like
4: in my job every week i think of it's like a boot camp i have to come up if something doesn't work one week i i have to try something new the next week And while it's frustrating, I also enjoy that.
1: Yes. and I I think
4: some people can get stuck and, well, let me try that again. I'll make it better. And it's like, no, just you have to try something different.
2: Immediately, like a person you go to when you're thinking of, like, who comes up with ideas all the time and who isn't, you know, and, and who needs to take those ideas and, you know that's a very specific setting because it's like you don't have, you can skip the napkin you can just go immediately to your to your writer's meeting you've got someone who's like writing stuff down and moving stuff into action because they have to move so fast but yeah she seems like an ideal ideal first guest but then it was like you know that quality of that conversation really easily transfers to you know to other people. and and how they come up with stuff and how they're on a different pace like she has to come up with ideas every week for a weekly show and then it's like most people don't have to do that
1: so when you do that because I think that can be exhilarating for people and can also be a little bit terrifying or stilting so I'm going to ask one big and simple one how do you come up with ideas there's
4: tons of ways I mean there are definitely things I'm Drawn to general themes, uh, I definitely like characters. That's always going to be, you know. I'm not really, as a writer, anyways. I'm not really a plot person. Uh, I'm more of definitely characters.
2: You know, so the show, the show definitely becomes real when you when you have a guest, uh, you know, with that degree of of success and that degree of famously effective ideas, and then it. So so. That makes it real. But then it's also real when you do your, you know, additional episodes with other people where it's like, oh, you can have the same conversation with them that is a different version of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's honestly the the fear, especially like just for any show is like that you don't start with such like an outlier that it's like, well, how do we... How do we come back from that? (laughs) What do we do for episode two now? (laughs) Yeah, we're on episode two and and this person isn't on national television. Is it going to be the same conversation? I I was and I'm super grateful that she had been part of the conversation. And I, you know, as her as her friend, uh, I try to listen to every interview she does.
4: I like being a person that will encourage others, too. I love to be somebody that could lift somebody up. Too. I like being around people who feel similarly. I like to see other people do their best to succeed. Yeah, it was a
0: very short-lived moment of, like, of excitement because then we realized, okay, well, we, you know, because we launched with three and then we had to get the rest of the season recorded <laughs> and out. And then we had, you know, we pulled together the co-hosts, Carol and Holly and Kenny and Dan and me and you were in the first season. Everybody brings something very different to the conversation. Like, I think Holly is just sort of naturally inquisitive and, 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 and wants to just keep digging deeper into what the guests are thinking and, and, and how they got to where they, they are. And
4: so talk me a little bit through what has
2: shifted or evolved over that time, because I mean, we're doing a bunch of these conversations and it's interesting to hear how people's ideas evolve quite a bit over time. And your idea sounds like it it hasn't really changed that much since Inception in terms of what you set out to do and what you're doing. Like, What has changed? What sharpened? What's evolved? Good question. Good question.
0: Kenny's approach to, you know, talking to, like, a lot of the, the tech folks and stuff like that is really is interesting with his background. Kenny
2: is, like, such the epitome of, like, the too creative, like, popped by your desk because he just had an idea that he had to share, but then did the first episodes of the show way more by the book than I think a person like that usually does. Yeah. And then, but then like finds a way to bring his, Oh, I just had a cool idea self back into it.
0: And within
1: the game, do you, in creating it, yeah. was there an insight that you latched onto? was there some sort of inspiration, what led you to, I know you were talking about how it was an, almost like an art project, yeah. but what drove really the creativity behind the idea?
2: It was really interesting to see the degree to which people have to listen to a couple episodes before they get what it is. It was really interesting to like onboard everyone and to see them nod. But you could see that they were all doing that thing that we, you know, that we talked about where it's like they all, if you put them in a separate room after that and you said, what is this show going to be? What they're going to describe is different from what you're going to describe, which be different from what I'm going to describe. And then for them to hear the first couple episodes and then it's like they all came in grounded. But then to see them listen to their episodes... And then sort of go, oh, so now not only do I understand what the conversation is, but like I now see that there's a little bit of a dissonance between who I thought I was going to be on that show and who I was on that show. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to see the iterative process like to me, not only to see what they each bring to it, but then what they each brought to it again when they heard what they what they sounded like and what they said Where they're, you know, that's, everyone like gets weird about hearing the sound of their own voice, much less like, why did I say that? Why did I do that?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it was great. It was a great vision. And I think, I think John really helps propel that too, because, you know, he's such a great leader. And I think everybody wanted to just be a part of it and do a good job. I I like this little side story. I think it warrants
2: telling, and I don't want to divert, but like, just that Kenny was just like, well, whatever we do, we should call this gray matter if it's going to be about what we're thinking and what whatever. So... I'm like, well, that's really, that's really funny because... So I started right before the centennial for Grey. So that was like my first week on the job. My my boss was out my first two days. He had a pitch. So it was like a very like, you know, okay. So I'm sitting next to Mary Gorsey, who is a Grey icon. Uh, I love her. <laughs> um, she literally is writing the book. About Gray in its first 100 years, and it's really funny because she's just like, "Well, you know, I know you have your typical onboarding stuff to do, but like, I need someone to like literally, if you, you know, if your if your boss isn't here and you've got time, you should proof the book on Gray. So like, no greater orientation to a place than to get there and then proofread a book about its 100 year history. So like, and one of the things was like back in you know the 40s, Gray was doing a newsletter that helped it emerge. Um, in the marketplace as a differentiated voice. And that newsletter was called Grey Matter. So Kenny comes forth and he's just like, whatever we name it, maybe we should call it Grey Matter. I'm like,
0: that's actually part of our heritage, which is like crazy. It's really cool to to have that seed of an idea and then watch it all come together. I think that's true for you. It's true for us with the show. I think it's true for all the people that we've had on the show. I've never been a parent, but I feel that it's like the, the closest thing you can do to being a parent is watching an idea take form because there is this sense of ownership. There's a sense of you You, you want to make sure you're, you're doing it right, but you want to also get some, uh, you know, with your influence, you also want to bring in some outside perspectives. You know, one of the cool things about the podcast
2: is like, you know, having been a part of its origins, it was really cool to know that like the idea by itself is bigger. Right. It's like, it's, it's really fun to work. Like that's, that's where like, I don't want to like, I have to acknowledge my role in creating it, but it's, I, I can't have ego about it because it becomes other people's thing. And then when you leave and you walk away and then it's completely someone else's thing,
0: you know, as an artist or a creative, like once you, once you sort of put something out into the world, and I guess this is where my, my, my child analogy ends, but maybe not, um, once you sort of put something out into the world, it's not just yours anymore. It becomes, it becomes everybody's and the audience becomes part of the experience. And gray matter is, is, is not ours. It's not, you know, it's not just John Petrullis's it's, you know, it's for the people who listen to it. And, and I think there's something to that. And I think, yeah, it's just like a nice, it's a nice way to think about an idea that it, that it can grow and evolve and become, you know, you know, somebody in the world. I mean, eventually you have to let your kids go, right. You have to let your kids live their own life. They have to, you know, you can't keep them in your house forever. <laughs> in most cases.
2: <laughs> My mom at one like told me, she's like, do you know how crazy it is to like have this person and raise this person? And you, you always know that, you know, you want them to like go out into the world and you want them to do all this stuff. But then like, she's like, at one point it hits you like 18 years. And then that's kind of it, right? Like you'll never have the same relationship that you had before because you have to let it go. And it's just like, yeah, like you, you know, you, you, you don't get to control these things forever, but it's like, but you know, why did you do it? Why did you do it if not to let it go? Yeah. it's a painful process and, and it's a beautiful process and, um, you know, and, but then, but then you, for every one of of those where it's like, you have like a lot of problems and it's just like, oh, that's not my kid and that's not my whatever. You get like a holy I didn't know that my kid was going to be this. I didn't know my kid was going to be this. And what a pleasant surprise. And as long yeah. as they're happy, I'm happy. Yeah, it's it's good to see that this is still going and to see that, you know, that i I've, you know, this is me as a deadbeat dad. And and I'm like and I park my car across the street and I'm like, how's the podcast doing? It seems happy. Like that's me right now emotionally. And then I drive off And then, you know, I'm smoking for some reason.
0: (laughs) I like this parent analogy. It's like, it's really gonna play through.
2: I'm in a members only jacket. I don't like, there's a whole character that's being built here, but yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Joey. You know, it was great to hear from Graham. What's he up to these days?
0: So Graham is currently the co-chair of Do The Work, a conference aimed at increasing queer creativity, representation, and share a voice in the advertising industry. Our listeners can check out more at do the work.com. That's do the work, W E R Q.com.
1: That's great. Thanks, Joey. And that's it for our first bonus episode around the creative criteria. Next time, we'll talk about how important it is to interrogate the idea to its simplest core and then how to bring it to life in its most powerful form. We'll be back in your feed again with more bonus episodes. Be sure to check out the first two seasons of Grey Matter, a podcast about ideas. All episodes are available now. And if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at podcasts at gray.com. Thanks for listening
0: to Grey Matter. Grey Matter is hosted by John Petrulis, produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt, mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin, with support from post-producer Ned Martin. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.